Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Michael Ball, Sean Kleisinger joining you and live here at the Agribition with Marty Craddock, uh, Craddockville. Marty, thanks for joining me, man. Now, Marty's on the dire- uh, board of directors for the Canadian Western Agribition, and he's also the chair of the rodeo, which is, <laughs> that is awesome. Welcome to the show, Marty. Thank you for having me. Hey, now, I got to ask you this. I had a patch when I was, uh, this is interesting. I, I had a patch when I was a, a kid, bad stigmatism, and I had to wear one in my right eye. I got poked fun of when I was five years old, okay? So I have an, a an affinity or an affection for a guy wearing a patch. You got it over your right eye. Was it some big rodeo accident? What happened? Well, I, I wish it was a better story, but I was a PFRA rider yeah. for lots of years, and uh, a piece of barbed wire come back and punched a hole in my Wow. So can you see out of that eye? I can, but it uh, sees uh, the scar acts like a prism. So yeah. if, if, it, if you're really pretty, you're really, really pretty because there's like three. Yeah. Uh, so if you took so if you took that off, how would I look like? Would I look like uh, Brad Pitt or something? Or well, I, I'm not willing to try. <laughs> love it. Okay, so we got the rodeo here. I love this. Is my and I can see by the cars a lot of people are into like you could tell the action's picking up here just in general on Wednesdays. We're getting to the back half of the week, but now the rodeo fires up. Yesterday we had the bullfighter uh, competition. Now, what's harder, bullfighting? Or rodeo clown? Well, that, that's I I I'd prefer I'd prefer to sell popcorn in the parking lot. I think I don't know. <laughs> you know these these freestyle bullfighters last night put on a really good show. We had five guys from Spain here, and uh, they did it their way, which is just a little different. So it was really exciting to see the difference between the way Canada and the U.S. Okay, do. stop you there. Stop you there, Marty. I'm just a casual guy, okay? okay? A lot of people coming are just, they, they don't understand. So what's the difference between, say, a guy in Saskatchewan and Alberta doing it and a guy in Barcelona doing it? Well, in uh, Canada and the U.S., they uh, they engage the bull more. They get right up close, and it's a it's really thrilling show. Just like all our bullfighters here yeah. at the rodeo, they are there to protect the Cowboys. They get in where it's real dirty and take the hooking for the Cowboys so he can get away and be safe and ride yeah. again tomorrow. Yeah. Where uh, the Spain guys, they come and they put on a show and everything's kind of uh, lined out. They make the bull charge them from a distance. And then when they get close, they leap over top of them. They they do somersaults in the air. It, it's it's quite a thing to see. It's kind of like the running of the bulls almost. It's like they're getting practice there, that, right? That's right. Okay, so talk about, was it the was it a Spaniard that did that trick where they went on the back to get the bull uh, get fired up where he slid down his back and everything? Well, there was one bull that wouldn't engage very well. Uh, it, was, it was just the luck of the draw. And uh, the bullfighter... Uh, Went running and leaped over top of him and slid down his back a little ways. It was, but it was a boy from Saskatchewan that did it. Wow. Okay. So tell, tell, tell me about that. So you're not exactly going to wrestle the bull, obviously. No. But so, so how do you score points in bullfighting? Well, in uh, in these bullfighting competitions, 
it, it depends how close you are, how much risk you take, how many times you contact the bull, what tricks you do. So if you, uh, uh, as you spin in a circle and the bull's trying to hook you and you slap him in the head, uh, where these guys leap over top of him and don't, don't touch him, that's one way. Or if they, like, like that one guy did, he slid down his back. You yeah. know, that's a lot of contact. So you you, you got to be nuts to, to do to do to do that. Um, <laughs> you do, uh, but 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 so what's worse, being the fighter or the the rodeo clown? Because that wouldn't be great either. Well, the rodeo clown sits in that barrel and like he's there to back up the bullfighters. Uh, so I'd rather sit in the barrel and get tossed around than, than actually be in contact with a bull. Yeah, but it's not like the bullfighter and the rodeo clown get a, get along in, in the <laughs> sense that because you told me the bullfighter, he can use the barrel with the clown in it to engage the bull. You've seen that before. Oh, sure. Yeah. And yeah, we've all seen those barrels fly through the air. But, but it, it's still you got a little bit of duct tape to protect you. <laughs> That is crazy, man. Outstanding. Uh, Marty Craddockville here with the uh, Canadian Western Aggravation, and he is the chair of the rodeo. So uh, what kind of level of competition are we seeing here in terms of not only last night but going forward here? A lot of the guys that are here come uh, straight off the Canadian Finals Rodeo and Red Deer. So these are the top-end guys. And this is a circuit finals. So... They're they're the top of their field. Like this is pro at, at its best. And 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 how how long have you been on the board for? Like for the for the aggravation? I think it's around six years. Okay. And uh, how long have you been involved with the rodeo? That long? Six yeah. years. Yeah. Okay. So how 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 much better is it now than it was say six years ago in terms of level of competition and and attraction for people coming here? Well, like in any sport, the the competitors get better and better every year. I'm not sure how it's possible that, that they can get better, but they do. And so this this is just awesome. Yeah. High quality, you know. So my son goes to college in the United States in North Dakota, okay? And he went to a, a PBR event at the Alaris Center in Grand Forks. And he said, you know, very American. They stand up, they sing the anthem, and then it's... ACDC pump in or yes. country music like it's it's almost like a, a disco slash event is that what we're seeing here tonight uh in in certain events they really try and pump you up well and we got I gotta clarify something because I'm kind of biased the national anthem when they sing here I'm gonna stand up and be very proud it's my wife singing so your I your wife sing my wife sing sings the national anthem for the rodeo this week uh, so I got to be a little more patriotic. What's her name? Uh, Nanette. Nanette. Yeah, you know what? I found that between, no disrespect, I like Canada, I love Canada, <laughs> but the United States, they, they, they take their anthem more seriously, like they really do. Yes, that's, that's it's, a, it's a total different school of thought. So, so, for instance, tonight's events, what do we got on tap tonight off the top of your head? Besides your lovely and talented wife singing the national anthem, what happens after that? Oh, we, we've got it all. We've got... Uh, Team roping, barrel racing, you know, timed events, you know, uh, calf roping and bulldogging or steer wrestling, it's called. Uh, and then your rough stock, you've got uh, um, bull riding, saddle bronc, uh, bareback. Mm. Uh, another another great event is the women's t uh, breakaway roping, which has become huge in the last few years. Why is that? It's just a new event. The girls have come in, and they're incredibly fast. So what is breakaway roping? Tell us about that. They, uh, they go out of the box, just like the team ropers or the calf ropers, and they um, rope their calf, and then they stop their horse, and the rope becomes d detached from their saddle, and that's when they get a time. 
That is, that's outstanding. You know what I mean? And and I, uh, you know, you know, we've got the, the 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 NBA and the WNBA, and you know, there's a, there's a big discrepancy. And I know it's there's males and females here, but there's not a lot. Like when you look at that, it's not, just these women are just as talented. There's not a lot of uh, separation there. Oh, it's incredible. The, the the caliber of these women, while the caliber of all our contestants is yeah. incredible. Yeah. So how many uh, how many cowboys, cowgirls do you got uh, here over this uh, stretch? What Wednesday? Does it go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Is that what it is? Like the the, the rodeo part? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. And and how many competitors do we got? Do you know off the top of your head? Well, it's ten per event, so it should be around eighty. Wow, wow, that's yeah. outstanding. So. Uh, for somebody that is just listening to this, never been to a rodeo before, sell them on why they should come here. Well, if, you, if you've if you never been, it's something you got to see. You'll either love it or hate it, but, <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things that the, the these guys that go every week, you know, it, it's a really good thing. You know, I used to have a rodeo at my house. I had a thousand people in my yard. Really? There's no money in this deal for me. And I still wanted to have another one. Wow. So, so... There's people that are crazy like me, and then there's people that couldn't figure out why you'd so want to you have. So you never got into the actual rodeo, right? Oh yes, you uh, did. You did do it for a while. Oh yeah, I was a team roper. Okay, yeah. So it, so help this guy out. I'm a football hockey guy. I kind of know what it is. What it what? So what is team roping? Well, team roping, you have. Uh, it's the only event where there's two people. Yeah. One guy ropes them around the head, turns the corner. The other guy ropes them around the back feet. And they get a time. Were you a head or a foot guy? I was a foot guy. Is that tougher than the head guy? Well, we'll say it is. <laughs> Worst injury? Did you have a? Did you ever have a bad injury doing that? Well, if you can believe this, I was riding down the arena in Medicine Hat. Yeah. And my horse had a stroke, and he fell over, and I got hurt that way. But that was the only thing. So I want to bring this up. I'm not a. I'm not a. A softy. Okay. I'm not. I'm not one of those snowflakes, as they like to say. But I want to comment on how you guys uh, treat the animals humanely, because that always gets brought up every year, like at the stampede and things like that. So just talk about uh, and reassuring that, you know, or reiterating how, how important it is, because they're, they're not just uh, a sideshow. They're, they're the main thing, the animals. Oh, definitely. This is an athlete. You know, he's well-fed, well-taken care of. When that horse of mine had a stroke, she was a trip to the vet, you yeah. know, or... Uh, I, I believe there was a vet on the property at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, so it's it's they got to be cared for because they are athletes too. You got to get over to an organizers meeting. So uh, when's things get started tonight over there at the Brand Center? Seven o'clock, and the theme tonight is uh, Indigenous. Okay, and so uh, they'll uh, there'll be a few things going on with the grand entry there. It's it's a really good show. And your wife's name again? Nanette Craddockville, and she's singing the national anthem. Yes. Did you help her practice or what? I, I'd like to say I taught yeah, her a you, lot. Could you, can you sing the anthem? I I no. Not well. No, not not. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It's been a great time. Uh, Marty Cr uh, Marty Craddockville here joining me here is uh, wife Nanette singing the national anthem. Get out and watch some great rodeo action. We'll be back with more of the sports cage, including a check-in with the Saskatchewan Rush, next here on 620 CKRM.
And back with your sports ticker. It's 3.31 after having no games in the National Hockey League last night. We got a full slate tonight. I'm talking about 14 games to look for. Edmonton's in Carolina. Chicago's in Columbus. Detroit welcomes New Jersey. Boston on the road down in Florida. The New York Rangers in Pittsburgh. Winnipeg at Tampa. The Washington Capitals hosting the Buffalo Sabres. The Islanders at home to the Flyers. St. Louis is in Arizona. The Calgary Flames in Nashville. Vegas Golden Knights. They are in the Lone Star State to meet the Dallas Stars. Montreal Canadiens on the West Coast in Anaheim. Vancouver in Colorado. And the San Jose Sharks in the Pacific Northwest to meet up with the Seattle Kraken. Lacrosse is one of Canada's official sports. Here's the latest from the cage on your Saskatchewan Rush. Uh, Yes, we got all the sports covered here on the sports cage. And uh, let's get to uh, this with the Rush head coach. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing real good, man. Doing real good. Uh, another season upon us. You got a, a preseason game coming up in Moose Jaw. Can you tell us about that? I can tell you I've never been to Moose Jaw. Um, so I'm excited <laughs> to go there. But uh, no, it's our final tune up before the regular season. Uh, we open December 1st in Halifax. So for us, uh, we're going to treat it as. Uh, basically a live game. We're going to get in our starting lineup and see how we fare. We've got a ton of changes this year, so um, it'll be interesting to see we, how we play and what we look like. Jimmy Quinlan joining us here. So tell us, what is the what is the uh, expectation? You talked about changes. Everybody says we want to win a championship, but realistically, what are you looking for, or for from your team, at least early on here with all these changes? Well, I think early on it's just playing the way we want to play, which is a very fast pace, upbeat, um, push the pace, tempo uh, type of team, and I, really that's kind of what we're looking for. We do believe we have a team that can compete and get into the playoffs, and then once you get in there, anything can happen. Um, so really, I think for us here, out of the first couple weeks, uh, we obviously want to build some momentum, and, and it'd be nice to get some wins, because as a coach, everything you say seems to echo it louder when you're, when you're winning. Um, but really for us, it's just kind of finding our identity and, and, and playing the style of lacrosse we want to play, which is... Uh, going to be a bit of a track meet if it, if it goes our way. Jimmy Quinlan, let's talk about this, the trade of Mark Matthews and Kyle Rubish in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, obviously we moved out uh, the league's best defender ever and the Russia's best player ever in, in Mark and in Kyle. And, um, you know, we felt we needed to get younger. Uh, we also felt like we had some players within our organization that needed more opportunity and um, we needed to kind of move in a, in a bit of a different direction having missed the playoffs the last two years. Um, both those guys were at a point in their career where they could say no to us and they could uh, you know, re- reject coming back to Saskatchewan. And uh, We felt it was the, the right time to get very good value, so we, we got a tremendous goalie and, and, a, and a starting goalie in the National Lacrosse League and, and Frank Scigliano, who's just been nothing but calm for us uh, through training camp. He, he looks like he's going to be the real deal. Um, he has been the real deal. He's coming off his best season um, in the league last year. And then we got uh, a boatload of assets and players uh, in the Matthews field. And so we got Zach Manns and Adam Jay. Uh, one's a, a lefty scorer um, who's very athletic and create his own shot. And then the other one's a, a big six foot four right handed defenseman who can push the ball up the floor. And so, all in all, we, we felt like it was the time to try to get as much value as we could for those players. And uh, we're excited for the players we're bringing in. 
Well, the rush once again will be led by Robert Church, Ryan Keenan. Plus, you've got the 2022 NLL Rookie of the Year nominee, Patrick Dodds, who had a great season last year with Panther City. Let's uh, talk about to him. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who really is, is coming into his third season, but he's uh, really the same age as a number of the players that were drafted in this year's draft class. So he was a, he was a player who foregone the, or who decided to forego the NCAA route, and he came out at 18 and got into the league at uh, 20 and, you know, challenged for the rookie of the year. And then last year, again, he was really good, but Panther City brought in, you know, some right-handed guys, and we had an opportunity to go out and get a, a, a very skilled uh, big size uh, right-handed forward, and uh, he's been awesome for us. So again, um, he's a guy we're going to lean heavily on, uh, and I I know in speaking with him, he's excited for the opportunity. So uh, the team's got a brand new logo. Looks like a bull with horns. So the the last question: Horny or Rowdy? The mascot name. What do you favor, Horny or Rowdy? I think Horny's got it's funny, man. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. I I don't know. I I heard about that. People were telling me about that. I wasn't too. Uh, in tune with what's going on. Um, I don't know. I, I, I probably would have went some totally different route. I don't know exactly what I would have chosen, but uh, I mean, <laughs> either of those two, I think, uh, you know, you're going to either uh, create good or bad attention, and any attention sometimes isn't a bad thing. So uh, I think they chose Rowdy. I can't confirm that. You might be able to, but uh, again, I think the logo is just an absolute uh, great logo. I love the fact that it's tied into the indigenous roots of the game, and it's got a, you know, a bunch of ties to the to the province of Saskatchewan. So I think all in all, they did a really good job of making a meaningful logo, and uh, I believe the jerseys are a lot sharper than they've been in the past. Jimmy Quinlan, coach of the Saskatchewan Rush, good luck getting back to the playoffs and fine-tuning before your December 1st opener. Thanks for taking time. Thank you. You guys have a wonderful day. Take care. That is the Saskatchewan Rush Report. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. And welcome back to the Sports Cage live from Aggravation. Let's talk a little NBA. And this guy comes to us from VEASAN. He is Jonathan Von Tobel. How are you today, Jonathan? I'm good. It's a big day in the NBA. A lot of games. It should be fun. So I'm excited for the day today. That's for sure. Yeah, I want to talk about a big game. But first, can can you help this guy out in uh, landlocked Saskatchewan, which is the middle of Canada, nearing winter? How is this in-season tournament working? Like, there's some confusion amongst casual fans like me. Um, well, okay, so I actually I, I really like the in-season tournament. I, I think it's been a lot of fun. So essentially... Uh, what's going to happen here? What's been happening? Uh, when you tune in, if the court looks different, that's where you start, right? We know yeah. it's a season game. Uh, but these teams are going to play, and some of them have. The, the difference is actually quite stark. You know, uh, Toronto, for example, at one point had played one game whenever there were teams that had played three already. Uh, but you're playing four group games, and at the end of those group games, uh, you could win your group. There's three groups for each conference, so six in total, uh, A, B, and C for each. The winner will move on to the knockout stage, and one wild card from each conference will move on to the knockout stage. From there, you get home games, and then you get neutral site games out in Las Vegas to determine a winner, single elimination from there. So uh, I think it's pretty cool. I actually presented some interesting betting opportunities, and it's been fun to track because you actually got some really interesting and dramatic races that are going to come down to the wire. And you should know, too, like these teams really kind of care, and you're seeing them really try. You know, We'll go back to last night, for example, the Suns, uh, they need to improve their point differential if they want to make it in. They're sitting on the outside looking in. They're one spot out of a wild card. 
And you saw at the end of the game last night, despite the fact they were up 13, they were taking threes, and they were trying to improve uh, their differential to the point where Chauncey Billups actually got mad that they were taking threes against them, despite the fact that they were up 13 with less than 20 seconds left. So we're seeing these players care. It's, I think it's been a lot of fun, and at the very least, it gives you something different to keep track of at the beginning of the regular season. So, Jonathan, big game tonight in the National Basketball Association. The top two teams in the East go at it, Milwaukee and Boston. After a bit of a slow start, the Bucks have won, like they've won five in a row. So have we seen the best of Giannis and Dame Lillard as a duo yet? I don't think we've seen the best by far. I think that thing is still growing and it's still making, you know, taking shape. But we're starting to see their offense really come around. If you look at three out of their, you know, actually we'll, we'll say their last five games. Uh, at the very least, an offensive rating in their last five games of 119.8 or better. Uh, each of the last three games, their offensive rating has been better. And look, you're talking about their last few games. Chicago, Toronto, Charlotte, Dallas, and Washington. Uh, a couple of those teams aren't particularly great on defense, specifically Washington, Dallas, um, and uh, Charlotte. So, you know, is it the best thing in the world that you're able to go out there and do what you're doing offensively? Yeah, it's not the biggest accomplishment. But I think when you're talking about rounding into form, you're at least starting to see it on offense. Now, they still have to work some stuff out on defense. You know, in that game against Washington, for example, they have a defensive rating of 127.3. Against Dallas, it was a 121.4. But we're starting to at least see a little bit more consistency from them on that end of the floor. But the offense is going to work itself out now that they've won five straight. I think what we're really waiting for now is for this defense to round into four. You expected them to take a step back, but at one point this season, they were one of the worst defenses in the NBA. They're starting to climb their way back up, but they're still grading out pretty poorly in a lot of different metrics, so they've got to definitely get better on defense. Hey, uh, I'm not a a basketball expert, but I let my eyeballs do the uh, talking for me when I watch something. This Victor Wembanyama, he looks like the next next thing. I mean, that might be an an obvious statement. Uh, Has he lived up to expectations thus far? You know, I think he has. I think, and especially, I guess it would depend on what your expectations were. I think a lot of people who do enjoy basketball understood, like, this is still a 19-year-old kid coming into the NBA mm-hmm. and that there was going to be some growing pains. And offensively, I think maybe people thought that there was going to be more efficiency than what we've really seen up to this point, right? You know, coming off of a nine-point game against Los Angeles Clippers, in which he was just 4-12 from the floor. The game prior to that, he did score 19, but he was 6-17 from the floor. I think the offense is going to be one that kind of stops and starts, right? Fits and goes, and it's not going to be as consistent. But defensively, he's been everything that you expect him to be, right? Being seven foot, being able to challenge shots at the rim when he's nowhere near there. He's improved the Spurs defensive rating by 8.3 points every 100 possessions in which he is on the floor. I think he's, he should be exactly what you expect him to be on defense. And if that offense comes around, which you kind of expected to at some point, He's going to be everything the Spurs expect him to be as a prospect. So I think that he has been fantastic. Now, it might come across as a hot take. I don't think he's been the best rookie in the NBA so far. Mm-hmm. It's been Chet Holmgren. He's been very good. He's been very balanced. The metrics would paint that picture as well. But with what he's done defensively and the way he shows flashes on offense, I think he's been exactly what you expect him to be. So the LeBron, James, Michael, Jordan debate will go on forever and ever and ever. He's the first player in the NBA uh, history of the game with 39,000 career points in our lifetime. Will we ever see someone surpass his career point totals? I never say never. That That's going to be a lofty thing. What I'm impressed with, though, Jonathan, though, is in this debate between uh, those two guys, LeBron James is still kicking butt at his uh, late stage of his career. Man, I'm not even kicking butt. Like the, the the thought was right coming into this year 
that, hey, you know, we're building this team around Anthony Davis and that LeBron, remember after like the first game, it was like, oh, no, he's going to be on a minutes restriction, right? Like, you know, we don't, we, we don't want to mm-hmm. use him that much. We want to make sure that he's ready to go for the postseason. Not the case. Like, they are overly reliant on LeBron James. When he's off the floor, they have a negative 17.6 net rating. Like, that, they're, they're atrocious in the minutes in which he doesn't play. They rank in the fourth percentile in offensive rating when he's not playing. Like, that's how crazy to me it is. It's not so much that he's producing, because that is kind of nuts, right, given his age. But it's the fact that still, clearly, to this day right now, he is head and shoulders the best player on his team, and they are reliant on him every single minute to be out there. And if he is not out there, they play at the level of one of the worst teams in the NBA. And I think that's to me, is a testament to how good LeBron is. And as far as is somebody able to do this again, I'm like, I'm like you. Like, I never say never on anything, right? You know, we, we never see anything until it's the first time ever, and then we see it. So I'm never going to say it doesn't happen, but I'm going to say it's highly improbable that we see it. <laughs> and it's going to be a long time if we do, because careers, you know, they do last a little bit longer with technology and whatnot. These guys are able to take care of their bodies. But you've got to be able to have that drive, and you've got to be available, and you've got to be consistent. And it's so hard to do what LeBron has done up to this point. So I'm going to say it's pretty unlikely that we see it anytime soon. So uh, I, I wouldn't. I think you're a very smart man. You know a lot about numbers and betting. I don't know what your legal background is, but can you help me out here? Like uh, we are the uh, you know Canada houses the only NBA team, the Raptors. The Knicks have sued the Raptors for ten million bucks in what really is a rare glimpse of discord over NBA governance. Can you can you explain that uh, to me as best you can? Uh, you know what? I, I got to tell you, I have no idea <laughs> in terms okay. of what they did uh, and what they're looking for. Um, now, I, I think what, what was interesting was when you looked at like the, the report, it mm. was actually it was argued that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver shouldn't arbitrate the dispute because mm-hmm. of the close relationship with the Raptors governor. So I thought that was pretty interesting because of the league, right, where and we see this all the time in all of these leagues. They're always, they're always there to arbitrate their own stuff. And the fact that this was asked that Alan Silver did not, I'm very interested to see how that goes because generally you see the guy at the top. We see it in the NFL all the time. Goodell is always the arbiter, our arbiter at the end. I'll be fascinated to see that aspect of it, if he's actually going to be in charge of this at the end because they might have a point in terms of his relationship with that Raptors governor. But I think that was the, the one thing that really stuck out to me. Yeah. Hey, Jonathan, uh, can you uh... – you're the host of Hardwood Handicapper, uh, Handicappers, pardon me, on VEASAN. Can uh, check you out at MEJVT on Twitter. Do you got a couple of, uh, you said it's a big night in the NBA, you're pumped for it. Do you have a couple of interesting bets there you can fill us in on? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, so I bet uh, I've got about three of them so far. So uh, first okay. off, Denver and Orlando are playing. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's interesting. The Orlando Magic are on the second leg of a back-to-back, but they're 9-5. and five. They're off to a great start. You know, they're now the best defense statistically in non-garbage time in the NBA, the Orlando Magic. They have been tremendous on that end of the floor. And they're catching a Denver team that hasn't covered their last six games, that's been missing Jamal Murray, and that's been pretty poor on offense since he's been out. So I think it's a pretty good matchup. Even though Orlando's on the second leg of a back-to-back, it's a home back-to-back, you guys well know, right? Toronto uh, went and lost that game in Orlando, so they're rested and ready to go. I think they're going to be pretty live here to not only cover four, but win this game outright. So Orlando plus four in this matchup. Uh, later tonight, the Kings and the Pelicans are playing one another. Took a bit of the money line on the New Orleans Pelicans to win outright. Uh, if you remember, they actually played on Monday. This is part of that home-and-home home series or these two-game sets that you're starting to see these teams play. And when you look at New Orleans, I should understand what the market's thinking. You know, If home court's worth about two and a half, three points, like to say that Sacramento is head and shoulders better than the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, I just don't really agree with them. I bet New Orleans on Monday went out there, won that game by near 40 points. Uh, I think I'm going to ride them yet again, so I bet the Pelicans' money line there. Uh, and then another one a little bit later today as well. 
uh, on the card. What else did I have on this card? I have that one. Oh, and the Wizards. Not later. It's early. Uh, Wizards Hornets. Uh, if you guys have not, I would recommend watching LaMelo Ball tonight. He has been on a tear. Over his last eight games, he is averaging 38-9 on 50% shooting. He's been tremendous. Washington does not have an answer for that defensively, so I bet the Hornets at minus four. So there's a few. I wouldn't say no to recommending a LaMelo Ball at a triple-double at plus 750, a nice little bang for your buck if you can get there, but uh, that's what I got on my card tonight. Love talking to you, man. You bring a nice uh, perspective to the NBA and betting. I appreciate it. Jonathan Von Tobel from Visa. Thanks for your time, man. Yeah, anytime. Thank you for having me. All right. Uh, we're going to bounce to a break, and when we come back, you ask, we answer. It's the Sports Cage from Aggravation on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. You've got mail. Love it. Old school intro. You remember that zinger back in the day, or is that too uh, far back for you? <laughs> I, I don't think I remember that one. That's where you had the old dial-up. You had the old, like, AOL dial-up. I remember the dial-up. I remember the dial-up internet. My very yeah. first computer yeah. at my old house was yeah. a dial-up yeah. internet when you used one. To get, when, you used to get ma- when you used to get mail, it's like, you got mail. No one ever but, sent me mail, though, back then. Was, That's why but, I don't know it. But what was funny is, is you'd be like, oh my gosh, there's like a sexy picture of Yasmin Bleeth or, or, or Jennifer Aniston and you're downloading it, right? And then it's mm-hmm. like, thrr, thrr, and your mom calls you up for supper and you got like, it's, it's, it's only got to her neck and you can't see the bathing suit because it didn't download. You weren't there. Come on. You uh, weren't there. I don't you know. didn't have that. Oh, I'm, come I'm, on. I'm not living in your world right now. I don't know what you're talking about. Man. That is weird. That is wild, anyway, bro. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> okay. So a bunch of people have asked me. This is where you ask, we answer. A bunch of people have asked me over the course of the last few days, even in person here, but um, um, who would who would I like to see as the Riders' next head coach, or who do I think the Riders' next head coach is? Now, of the guys that they are interviewing on the list that's been reported by Farhan, by Naylor, Scott Milanovic would be my first choice, Buck Pierce would be my second choice, Corey Mace would be my third choice. Would those be your top three? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they so, would be. So here's, but then here's my list of the guys I'd like to see them either interview or they have interviewed. Number one would be Scott Milanovic. Number two, actually, believe it or not, would be Mark Tressman, who Milanovic comes from his coaching tree. Number three would be Buck Pierce. Number four would be Richie Hall. I've said that before. Number five, Kerry Joseph. And number six, Mark Mueller. I'd be okay with a Corey Mace Mark Mueller combo if we couldn't get Milanovic. How about you? I love the idea of Mark Tressman, to be honest. Mark Tressman could come in here yeah, with a yeah. wealth of offensive knowledge. Like, are yeah. you kidding me? Multiple and the thing great is, cups. and I'm not saying that O'Day is threatened, but here's the thing. We know what football's all about. Here today, gone tomorrow. Listen, who are we kidding? Our management's already looking at probably replacing me. So that's just the way, and a lot of people are smiling right now, nodding. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. So that's like pro sports. And do you want to hire your potential replacement? I think that's a fair question, right? Mm -hmm. Like, would Jeremy want to hire his potential replacement in Scott Milanovic? Or... Would you want to hire a guy like Mark Tressman, who's 67, still has some jam, if he can get himself a nice coaching staff that can relate to younger players, 
And Mark has no desire to be a GM. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, one week from tomorrow is November 30th. Jeremy O'Day is on the record of saying he would like to have a head coach in place by the end of November. So we're yeah. talking about eight days here, Ballsy. Within the next week, we might know. Yeah. That's crazy it, to think about. That's going to be a news-packed day. Shelly sent me a message saying, Ballsy, do you like the farm? Uh, I don't know. Depends which farm. I worked as a young guy on my uncle uh, Ron's dairy farm in Sinaluda one day, uh, one week, and <laughs> one feeding, week. <laughs> feeding, yeah, feeding like uh, cows and stuff, and that was all I needed to know about the. Did fact you milk that I the cows? The Did you milk? No, the cows? I've never milked a cow. I was too scared then, but I do want to milk a cow. That's one thing I want to do in my life before I'm done. That's a bucket list thing. I want to milk a cow. So yeah, I do like the farm. It's not my listen. I, I'm not a huge fan of the smell. I'd never want to live on a farm, but I appreciate the farming life. No doubt about it. This from Dave. Dave, you were talking uh, with Dave says Ballsy. You were talking with Marty earlier. If you missed it, you can catch it in a podcast form. He said. Marty, you ask Marty, would he want to be a bullfighter or a rodeo clown? What's worse? So, Ballsy, do you want to be a bullfighter or a rodeo clown? Well, I'm already considered a clown by many, so I'd go rodeo clown. It sounds like they have an easier time of it than an actual bullfighter. Both of those sound nuts, though, right, uh, Zinger? Uh, man, Matt Dagelman. Do you remember Matt Dagelman, yeah. offensive lineman on the Regina Rams, yeah. friend of mine? Apparently, yeah. he partook in that bull riding thing last night or maybe it was the year before but he posted a picture said he was wow. going out there to get hammered by the bulls can you believe that like that you got to be crazy. wired different like I, that's mad respect that's i don't think i'd be able to do that i'd that's be too crazy. scared uh jeff just sends in a text saying so which one of you would be the better bullfighter you or zinger well i i'd vote for me zinger i i'm a little bit more I have a little bit more of a muscular build, and I I did run a four four forty when I played with the Rams. Now, granted, it's probably closer to seven four. Do you think you or I would be the better bullfighter? Uh, probably you, Ballsy. I don't think I'd be. I'm not cut out for that type of life, my friend. Sorry. You you are. Uh, how you guys doing? I see in you. Hey, how you doing back there? I'm I'm yeah. feeling left out. I'm on the Dennis corner of Cliff and here, Rose and they're, here. And, and they're they're the sports cages are going on the sports cage trip with me again to Miami Zinger. You, oh. you remember Dennis and Hey, Joan? yeah. How you yeah. how you doing? Yeah, anyway. Uh we're we're working to see if Zinger can come. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh lastly, Jeff says, "Will your Oilers make the playoffs?" Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't see McDavid and Dreisaitl missing. Will they win the cup? I doubt it, but they'll make the playoffs. Anyway, you ask, we answer. You can text us 936-6262 as Ryan Young puts on his Edmonton Oilers toque and struts out of here, our ag director. He's a huge Oilers fan. You guys are making nothing. <laughs> missing you know the playoffs. You cheer for the Habs. Get out of here, man. Uh, let's go. Hey, how many Habs fans does it take to change a light bulb? Oh, this is too old of a joke. Too old, but go ahead. It, it takes it takes a hundred. Ninety-nine to change the light bulb and one to talk about how good the old light bulb used to be. Yeah, yeah, get out of here. <laughs> Take a break and be back with more of the sports cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. On location from the 52nd edition of Aggravation, just inside Affinity Place. Michael Ball with you, Sean Kleisinger, back at Mother Control. 
Got Russ Howard at 4.35 talking Briar and curling things. Benny Walchuk talking SGHL before 5. And Mike Kelly, the NHL Network here, in about uh, 10 minutes' time. But first, let's get to this. From the uh, Grey Cup parade, they uh, paraded him in Montreal and put him up on the stage. Them being the Montreal Alouettes and Zinger <laughs> in the need to know portion of the show. We kick off each hour. Uh, Zinger, that uh, that wasn't all they were doing. They were eating poutine out of the Grey Cup. I don't know if I've ever heard about that before. Probably's happened, but that's cool. You ate that last night when we went for supper. Yeah, it was a pretty good poutine. I thought it was kind of disrespectful when I saw that picture. Like, you're going to eat poutine out of this wonderful trophy. That's what we're doing now. But, hey, that's just my opinion. You... I love your traditionalism there. Uh, listen, we've guys have thrown the Stanley Cup off a roof into a pool. Like, they've done many wild things with those trophies. So uh, that's probably, that pales in comparison to what they uh, normally would do. Elsewhere here, uh, Zinger, we'll get to uh, Western Hockey League talk. The Pats are in medicine at the night to face the Tigers. Um, it's uh, Notre Dame at Esteban. Battleford's at Melford in the SJHL. Like I said, we're going to talk SJHL hockey with Benny Walchuk from GX94, voice of the Melville Millionaires and Yorkton Terriers, uh, and get the uh, the read on the SJHL. 14 games in the NHL tonight. Canadian teams in action. Jets at Tampa. Calgary at Nashville. Upstart Canucks at the Avs. Canadians at Ducks. And the underachieving Oilers are at Carolina. And yeah, uh, football can be a very cruel business singer. Um, just ahead of uh, talking about our winners and losers, I want to tell you that uh, Shaq Leonard, who is an all-pro, three-time all-pro with the Colts, was cut because he's not as explosive as he used to be, suffered some back injuries and shoulder injuries, and so they discard him. But, you know, he's a classy guy. He still delivered Thanksgiving Day turkeys yesterday for the uh, less fortunate in Indianapolis. I thought that was a really nice mm-hmm. gesture from him. You, you learn more about a person in downtimes than you do when they're riding a high for sure, and that's with anybody. And uh, retired quarterback Drew Brees says he'd still be playing if he could throw a football with his right arm, but because of the major uh, shoulder injury he suffered back in 2005, he can't anymore. He told ESPN's Mike uh, Greenberg, is that Greenberg? Is that what you say? Mike Green. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Greenberg, yeah. Calls himself Greenie. Anyway, told him that uh, he can't throw with his right hand. He throws in the backyard with his kids with his left hand. Some teams wanted him to come out of retirement, but he said, I I can't do it. And your guy, Aaron Rodgers, plans to be practicing in two weeks. He's jogging. He turns 40 December 2nd. Uh, Tours Achilles. His left Achilles. Four mm-hmm. plays. My guy? To the he's not my guy no more. Well, he used to, he used he's to not my guy. guy. We broke hey, up. Hey, we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get to the winners and losers in week number 11. The old timers. 
Do you remember the names like Bronco Nagurski and Night Train Lane? Bulldog Turner, my man Sam Huff in the snow and the mud. They were still real tough. Crazy legs hurt. And remember Raymond Berry asked me if they hit hard. And I say, Berry, Paul, Christian, Buddy, Young Lady Moore. It's them I dog. They seem to always score. Ed Sprinkle, defensive end for those years. Team Big Daddy. Winners and losers in Week 11, Zinger. Before we get to uh, the games tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day football. And Zinger's got the day off so he can take it in. Uh, how about this, Brock Purdy? I'd say he's a winner. Everybody thought he was done and in back-to-back weeks he has found his game I don't know that he's an elite quarterback but with the good coaching that he gets from Kyle Shanahan Zinger and with that great team around him they've got a definite chance to win the NFC you'd have to agree with that yeah Brock Purdy is a winner because he is the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers I think it's that that's the reason why if you put Brock Purdy on any other team I think we would see a whole lot of mediocrity but that's a team where you could just plug in a piece and they will shine because it's like a well-oiled machine Kyle Shanahan has so. uh, loser Robert Sala he has mismanaged oh. that uh, quarterbacking situation they've now turned to Tim Boyle Tim Boyle former Green Bay Packer <laughs> he is going to be in charge and the only reason why Tim Boyle is there, in my opinion, is because Aaron Rodgers is there. And it's, it's going to go from bad to worse, Ballsy. Yeah. It's bad. W- winner is Deron Bland. Deron Bland. Everybody's talking about Micah Parsons. And how would uh, the Cowboys respond after the uh, cornerback Diggs blew out his knee? Well, how about this guy, Deron Bland? He's tied the NFL single-season record on Sunday for pick six, is scoring an interception for the fourth time this year. He is a uh, ball-hawking uh, prowess as a pick. A pivotal piece of a defense that gave Dallas another blowout win. How about this loser, Kenny Pickett? He lost, and his Steelers lost to the Cleveland Brown-led Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I'm sorry, but this guy is not a franchise quarterback. Man, the Steelers fired their offensive coordinator yesterday, yeah. Matt Canada. So uh, you got to look to somewhere when an offense is struggling. And uh, yeah. Matt Canada, he's quote unquote on the street now, looking for a job. Kenny Pickett. Hey, this is salt in the wounds for Green Bay Packers fans. First of all, we lost to the Las Vegas Raiders this year. They can their head coach, okay? We lost to the Atlanta Falcons. They made a quarterback change. We lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and guess what? They just fired their offensive coordinator. It just it just doesn't sit well with me, Ballsy. Sorry. Well, well uh, one of the winners is Jordan Love. For the first time in his career, he had over 300 yards passing, 322 and two scores against my Chargers, who are losers because... So, well, Jordan Love is a winner the Chargers are losers, man. They, they had them third and 20. Once again, a penalty keeps the drive alive. Brandon Staley is the worst coach in the NFL, and it's not even close. Oh. My game ball for week number 11 goes to Sean Payton. He's got the Broncos in the middle of the longest winning streak in the NFL, a four-game winning streak, and second in the AFC West. Do I like him? No, I don't like how he called out Hackett. Very unprofessional, but he's got... Russell Wilson, not playing spectacular, but playing much better. He doesn't look washed now. The defense is playing well, and they have a chance of making the playoffs. So he gets the game ball. Playoffs for for Russell Wilson? Ooh. Could be. Could be. Well, they're on a heater right now. When yeah. you, they're, they're at 500 after yeah. this last string of wins. So yeah. if the season five ended five. right now, I mean, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. But they're on the outside looking in right now. They're, I think, 10th in the AFC. Yeah, but they're around it. They're around they're, it. They're they on were, the bubble, if you will. Yeah, they were 1-5 and five before. We're going to take a break. Be back with our clutch performance. And Mike Kelly from the NHL Network here on the Sports Cage from Agribition on 620 CKRM. 
Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Halliburton, man. He's cooking. Back to mid-floor at Halliburton. Shot clock at eight. Tyrese. My goodness. Whoa. This is crazy. 37 points, five rebounds, and 16 assists. And also add three steals and a block in there. Tyrese Halliburton of the Indiana Pacers studded out last night. Only Trey Young of the Atlanta Hawks scored more points than Halliburton last night. But Trey Young, he was on the receiving end of those Indiana Pacers last night and Tyrese Halliburton led his team to a big 157 to 152 victory. Mr. Halliburton, you are our Sports Cage Clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. He cuts to the middle. Hoaglander shoots. Blocked. Now he gets it back to Hughes. Lots of traffic in front as Quinn Hughes cuts across the high slot. Now goes wide on Zetterlund. Hughes shoots. He scores! his career high with his eighth of the season. Canucks open the score. All right, joining me on the hotline, one of our great contributors to the show, Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. Uh, Great follow on Twitter. We'll get to that at the end of this interview. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hopefully everything's good with you. Everything is fantastic. How are you? I'm well, except I'm an Oilers fan, so I can't be that well. Uh. They they were a they were a lock to be in the playoffs for you know for my money. I thought for sure, and I bought into the whole Stanley Cup or bust. Right now, it looks like bust. Do you think the Oilers make the playoffs? Because we always say you got to be around it or in it in the playoff picture by American Thanksgiving, which by the way is tomorrow. And they are neither one of those things. Uh, no, <laughs> eight points back, right? So, yeah. um, look, if any team is going to do it uh, in terms of being able to come back from eight points back at American Thanksgiving, it's it's the Oilers. I, I do think they still have a chance, and the goaltending is the the obvious problem, right? It, and I even go back to last year. Stuart Skinner was he was he was good. He, he wasn't great. He wasn't bad. He was he was good. And on a team that can score as much as Edmonton. That's going to take you places. Um, but he hasn't been as good this year. Jack Campbell is not even there. It's the, I don't know, it's not even the elephant in the room. It's just the thing that doesn't get dealt with. And I don't think you can sit here if you're the Oilers and say, well, you know, we're up at the cap, dollar in, dollar out, tough to make trades, tough to, like, you do it or you don't. And if it means giving up a first, two firsts, three firsts, like, you, you need a goalie. Um, because to me, the biggest thing with this team isn't even something that's quantifiable. Their confidence is shot. It's completely shot. And Picker went in in the last game, and he was okay. Like, he, he didn't cost them the game, but they were up 2 nothing early, and then, you know, 2-1, first one's not on him. The second goal, you need an NHL save there, and they don't get it. It's 2-2. And again, he was okay the rest of the way for the most part, but he didn't win them the game. Gave up a goal at a bad time. Shoulder slump, and the team has breakdowns. Um, they, they got a whole bunch of other problems, don't get me wrong. But I think they're fixable to a degree where they can be a playoff team. The, the problem in net 
it's just going to linger if it doesn't get addressed. What did Harry Neal say? Net mining's 80% less you don't have it than it's like 100? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> That's a great quote. Something to that effect. So so I, I know you're not a trade expert. You're good at what you do, and that's why I have you on. But, you know, some names bandied about. Mrazic in Chicago, uh, Allen in Montreal, or Soros. If you want to really get into it, you talk first, second, you know, three first-round picks. Uh, you know, you know, any of those names appealing to you as a hockey guy? Could they get one of those guys? They're going to have to get Campbell's uh, contract to be, you know, factored in there somewhere, I think. Yeah, like, I I don't see how they're getting UC Soros. I mean, uh, I, I know there's a guy coming in a Soros and all that, but uh, if I'm Nashville, there's no way I'm getting rid of UC Soros. I guess anything's possible if the deal's right, but um, Jake Allen, I think, is it's an upgrade, for sure. Go go get Jake Allen if you can. Montreal's got three goalies and and they're not you know planning to win a cup this year, so maybe that makes sense. I'd be okay with that. Um, the the guy I'd really want to get is Mackenzie Blackwood, and you know I said it back when Edmonton was about to play San Jose, and everybody thought, my goodness, if they lose that game, the wheels are falling off. They did, um, but I'm like, that's the goalie they need. Like, put him on the plane, take him to Seattle when the game's over. Mm. Um, he's, he's got tons of raw ability. He's kind of gone through a couple things when he was in New Jersey and, um, you know, fell out of favor a little bit. And, but his game's been really good this year. Raw talent-wise, I mean, top 15 goalie in the league, he could be if you, if you can get it all together. So that's a guy I'd be really interested in. Don't know what the cost would be there, but um, that'd be my first pick. Bedard doing Bedard things. Blackhawks against the Blue Jackets. This is a game I want to talk about for uh, that reason and then the Blue Jackets side. Uh, your thoughts on Bedard so far as he met your expectations? Exceeded them, which is wild because they were very high. <laughs> so good good for him. I mean, the guy's got nine goals. Like You look at all the things that Connor Bedard um, if Obviously, the nine goals, 15 points uh, is great, but just everything underneath it that you you believe would be predictive of future continued success at this rate, like it's, it's incredible how he's top, you know, 15 in the league in so many of these key areas. And this is a guy who's just just finding his way at the start of his first career as a true, like, kid, 18-year-old draft pick. Um, he's exceeded them. I thought he'd be in somewhere like 65 to 75 points this year, um, which is still incredible. Uh, I think I think you got to go back uh, a few years at least to find a 70 point rookie uh, off the top of my head. But yeah, no, he's he's exceeded them. He's uh, kind of must watch TV when he's on the ice. Who's a bigger disappointment in Columbus, Johnny Hockey, Johnny Goudreau, or Patrick Line? In your opinion, Johnny Goudreau for me. Um, it's not ideal either way. You don't want, you know, line A, you don't want to get benched and or scratched and, and Goudreau's been benched. Um, Johnny Hockey, like, <laughs> he is what he is, and he, he's an elite playmaker, buck possession player, buck driver um, as a winger. So that, that to me, is disappointing. Like, line A is too, but, I mean, they tried him out at center and try him in a new position. Um, I'm not absolving him here, obviously, but, there's a few things you can fall back on there, and Line A is what he is. Like he's he's a goal scorer. He's got a big shot. He's actually pretty good at moving the puck up the ice through the neutral zone on entries and stuff like that. Like better than people might think. But there's not a ton of dimensions to his game. So if if one or two things are off, like you're not going to get much. Um, that's just what he is, for better or worse. Like Johnny Gaudreau for me is 
dynamic enough in enough areas. He should be uh, better than he's been. So that'd be my pick. So the Oilers are a huge surprise as far as disappointments. The Canucks are on the other end. And how about... Uh, Quinn Hughes, man, this guy, uh, what did he do the other night? He got, he, he became like, a, he set a record here. Hold on. I had it in front of me here. He was like, isn't he like the third fastest defenseman to like 30 points in least amount of games or something like that in NHL history? Yeah, it was something like that. Like Bobby Orr's done it five times. And, and third, yeah, third, short list. third defenseman to reach 30 points in less than 20 games played in NHL history. Just talk about his game. Oh, my goodness. It, it's so good. Like, the, the thing that amazes me, I've talked about this a few times, it amazes me with him. Um, just puck on stick possession. You, you need to be an elite player to have the puck a lot. Obviously, there's there's other guys on the ice that are trying to take it from you. Um, he's so far ahead of everybody, and he, he has been in recent years as well, but it's gone to another level this year, um, and he rarely makes mistakes with the puck. Like when I measure, when I look at turnovers, mm-hmm. I don't just look at the raw totals because the guys that have it a lot turn it over a lot. I look at based on how often you have it, how much do you turn it over? He's got one of the lowest turnover rates in the league. For someone to have the puck that much, turn it over as little as he does, and it's not like he's just like, oh, I've got it. I'm going to you know, flip it over to Veronica and let him do something. He's making dynamic plays all the time. Um, it's incredible. He's like you know, the, the best scramble court. It's like Patrick Mahomes. Like, he's just <laughs> so elusive. It, it's, uh, and he's scoring. Like I know he's worked on a shot, and I don't know how much he'll score this year, but he's scoring more than he has. Um, he just really remarkable stuff. If anybody's like touching Kale McCarr's level, it'd be Quinn Hughes this year with what he's doing. All right. So, uh, lastly, besides Quinn Hughes, is there somebody under the radar that we didn't expect that's having a really nice start to the season that you'd know looking at the numbers? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, like one of the things, if you just look at something as, uh, as simple as goal scoring, uh, like Frank Vitrano's got 12 goals in, in 18 games for the Ducks. The Ducks are better than I thought they'd be this year. I think I think the, the new coach has really helped. Um, but I didn't see Frank Vitrano having 12 goals, so good for him. Um, I mean, everybody, a lot of people talking about William Melander and just how much he's popped off. That, that's been another huge story. So he's been uh, he's been really good as well. Um and the, the, the Kings are a team that I love because I think they're just kind of built to win in the playoffs the way that they're constructed. And they they took Edmonton seven games a couple of years ago. Like they've, they've, they go up against good teams. You do in the Pacific. But I just love that team, and I think they could do something special. Um, like I look at Quentin Byfield, the season he's having on the top line for L.A. has been really, really good. Um, but even depth guys like Trevor Moore's almost a point a game. Um, he's been really good for them, too. This is Mike Kelly at the NHL Network and Sport Logic, and you can follow him on Twitter. A great follow at Mike Kelly NHL. Have yourself a great night, my friend. All right, thanks. You too. Four thirty-three sports ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at seven eight one. 2090, and it's a busy night in the National Hockey League tonight. We got the Edmonton Oilers in Carolina, Chicago at Columbus, New Jersey at Detroit, Boston at Florida, Pittsburgh at home to to the New York Rangers, Winnipeg is in Tampa Bay, Buffalo at Washington, Philadelphia is at the New York Islanders, St. Louis in the desert to take on the Coyotes, the Calgary Flames in Nashville, Vegas at Dallas, the Montreal Canadiens in Anaheim at the Honda Center. 
Center, Vancouver at Colorado and San Jose in the Pacific Northwest versus the Seattle Kraken. Got to take a deep breath. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Let's go. Spread right, fake spear. Play pass. 16 counters. ED bang. Pull back west right. Zoom. Pull back left. Pass half back at zero. Z quick screen left. On one. Right. Well, today in the CFL report, we hear from Riders quarterback Trevor Harris, who joined us on the sports cage live from Agribition yesterday. He tells us he's eagerly watching the Riders interview process. The team yesterday talked with his good friend Scott Milanovic. The pair won a great cup together in Toronto back in 2011. Oh, that would be a dream come true uh he's he's a guy that has you know become essentially you know the guy that i always look to in terms of you know football knowledge and uh, acumen and and leadership and those sorts of things so that would be a dream come true but uh i have full faith in what what jay is going to do jay and kyle uh, craig reynolds will do a great job and i firmly believe they'll get the right guy in the room so uh we don't know who the coach is the coach could have his own idea but from what you've been uh told and if everything works out in your recovery that'll be my next question is it your plan to return as a quarterback for these saskatchewan rough riders yeah of course i don't i don't want my last play to be that but uh it's going to be a health a health question and a situation question you know you want to make sure that you're putting yourself in a situation where you're you can compete for championships and i believe in the guys that are uh, at the top of this organization. It's time to talk curling. We've got it all. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Live from the aggravation at Ballsy. Way out of my element here. I'm not a farm guy, even though I'm born and bred here in Saskatchewan. But uh, do appreciate uh, the uh, money that comes into this town. This will also be the site of the Briar coming up in March. And with that in mind, on the Western Pizza Hotline, curling legend. I So I grew up watching the Don Whitman, Don Duguid broadcasts. And uh, now I get to watch Vic Router and this guy, Russ Howard. Welcome to the show, Russ. Love the job you do. Thank you. Thanks so much, Mike. Okay, so Zinger's telling me before we go on the air, what's this about Russ Howard and Wayne Gretzky on the bench together? Can you talk? Can you tell me about that? What's that all about? Yeah, actually, we uh, we were at the uh, '87 Worlds in Edmonton. Um, the trainer, one of the assistant trainers for the Oilers, um, was a hometown guy from my 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 little town, Midland, Ontario, and he gave me a call just as a nice guy welcome to Edmonton type thing and he said look anytime you're in uh, you're here for 10 days we've got five home games in 10 days wow uh, bring as many people as you want you'll be my guest and believe it or not all five games were we were busy we were either curling or at banquets or something to do with the briar so uh, I phoned him back and said believe it or not we can't and he said how about tomorrow morning and come to practice <laughs> so we went to the oil at practice with Fuhrer, Messe, Coffee, Gretzky you name it and we sat on the oiler bench and watched like an hour and a half, two hour practice. And then uh, went in afterwards and Wayne was nice enough to uh, put us in front of his locker and had some pictures taken. That's outstanding. Hey, uh, Russ, um, tell a casual fan or someone who's never been to a Briar why they should come check this out in March. 
Well, the Briar, you know, what jumps to mind out right at the bat is the Great Cup. It's, 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 this is Canada's sport. This is, uh, the more people play curling in Canada by a thousand miles than anywhere else in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's our sport, especially out here in the prairies. Uh, we're right in the middle of that. And the Briar is just a big party. It's unbelievable. You got the morning class on the Sundays and you got the Briar patch going all day, every single day. You got great, uh, world class entertainment every night. Uh, besides the fact you're, Arguably, it's the toughest country to win, for sure, uh, men's or women's still. Uh, we haven't won a lot of gold medals lately, but we're, uh, we're still the toughest country to come out of. So the curling is off the charts good, uh, a lot of rivalries, but it's, it's the camaraderie you get. We, I run into people I've seen for 35 years, and they're going to Briar after Briar after Briar. My daughter and his, her husband uh, go to the Briar every year. Doesn't matter where it is in the country. That's their holiday, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have that same feeling. So they they get together and have a big party. Hey, the Canadian curl, uh, curling trials announced today. Headed back to Halifax, first time since two thousand and five. What's that uh, town like for a curling town? Well, we uh, I was lucky enough to win the trials in two thousand and five. That's the, the scene of the crime with mm-hmm. myself and Brad Gushy and right. the rest of the young guys from Newfoundland, and it's it's awesome. Curling's not as big down east as it is out here. It's a bit of a religion out, out west, uh, but they put on a lot of world class events. Uh, the arenas like steps from all the action downtown, all the restaurants, all the bars. Uh, it's it's a it's quite a nice atmosphere too. A beautiful arena. I think it holds close to ten thousand. It'll be full, and uh, again, uh, the best curling you'll see in a four-year period. So, uh, you know, being here now, what football's like here, but curling's like that here too. What? How does Regina stack up in terms of being a, a hub of curling, in terms of the, the atmosphere and what the fans bring to the rink here when we have big events like the Briar? Well, it's second to none. It, 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 and it, what, what makes it for the players? You know, I, you know, I used to be a player. Is the atmosphere? You come off the ice, you just. I don't want or lost your game, and somebody walks up to you and goes, "Why'd you play that shot in the fifth end?" <laughs> oh, you know, like they're knowledgeable, they're into it, they get it, they understand, they cheer for the good shots, whether it's the team Saskatchewan or it's the team that's playing against team Saskatchewan. Uh, they cheer hard. They got the you know, there's green all over the place, and uh, it, it, it's it's just it's just a really cool atmosphere to play in. I you know, I've lived in Ontario, southern Ontario, where curling gets a bit lost. I've lived in eastern Canada, where curling's lost. And you come out when we always said, oh, you know, this year we'd, we'd love to win. It's out in the, out the prairies. It's it's in Winnipeg. It's in Calgary. It's in Red Deer. It's in Regina, kind of thing. And those are the very very best spots to uh, to host a briar. So, uh, Russ Howard, your favorite Russ Howard related briar moments as a player. As a player. As a player, it, it would have to be our first win uh, in Edmonton, the same one we met Gretzky at, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we were uh, th- there in the arena. We were across the hall from them. Uh, the two arenas are virtually together back then. Uh, and uh, we, we were winning the game. We were playing the great Bernie Sparks. We were up the whole game. We should have won the game. And bang, they score three on us. And now we're losing, playing the last end. We scored five in the last end to win the Canadian Championship with my brother at third. And, uh, your first win's always the most memorable, and to have it with my brother is pretty cool. Yeah. Russ Howard, what's your favorite moment so far as a broadcaster at the Briar? Can you put your finger on one of them? Well, it, probably all of 
Friars are great, but it, it, the, the, the moment that sticks out to me was after we won in 06. As a player, I was hired with TSN to do the broadcast, and TS, or CTV and TSN had the rights for the uh, Olympics in 2010 in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And that was off, off the charts because I just won the previous Olympics. <laughs> So it was pretty nostalgic going back and covering curling to start with. But that place was electric. Like, uh, we had tickets to every single sport but hockey. Uh, we took full advantage of that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we saw bobsleigh and the short track speed skating. We saw a couple medals won there. So Ross Rebbe Alley, they're, they were running up and down the streets when he won the first gold medal for us in snowboarding. We were at a bar downtown, and it was just electric. In the actual curling club, for whatever reason, they had like aluminum seating, uh, bench seating. Oh. And most of the fans were were not curling fans. They were just fans of, you know, they bought tickets for the Olympics and they decided to go to curling. And it was just like a soccer game, Manchester United against Leeds or something. And it was just, <laughs> the atmosphere was nuts. It was so noisy. I, Cheryl Bernard played in it and she, she told me stories afterwards that she played uh, Miriam Ott from... Uh, Switzerland, and in the first end, it was so noisy that Mary Mott came to Cheryl and said, "Is it going to be like this all week?" And Cheryl said, "I don't know. <laughs> I've never been." In it. But <laughs> it was nuts, and it was for curling. It was kind of neat to see because it, it added that extra, you know, almost like again, like a, a European soccer game. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not that much younger than you, but I do remember walking around the the, the house yelling, going, "Hard, hurry, hard!" That's what I knew Russ Howard from. So I got to ask you, give me a tip as a broadcaster of the Riders. I've had to stumble through, almost losing my voice. Give me a tip on how to preserve your voice or get it back. Yeah, good point. I lost my voice in a Regina Briar badly uh, at a, a Regina Trials and at a Saskatoon, the, the drier arrow here. Uh, and I had people throw me fisherman friends over the boards and all these different cures <laughs> and all these. And uh, what? And Vic Router, before I started working with him, took me to a speech therapist a couple weeks after that. And she told me that the worst thing you can do is stuff like that, those candies, and, and, and because they're full of sugar, and that mm-hmm. thickens your vocal cords. And when you thicken your vocal cords, you basically blister them when you when you scream like an yeah. idiot like I do. <laughs> so water, 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 constant water, uh, and flat Coke. You stir, stir some Coke up, put two or three aspirin in it, melt them down, and uh, gargle with that. Don't swallow it gargle with that and it seems to bring your voice back almost instantaneously but it's all about drinking enough water i got so many more questions but that's great because i can have you on again if i haven't offended you to this point we're gonna we're against the clock but (laughs) yeah uh, we'll we'll have you on again because i do want to tee up the briar and everything like that it's a pleasure talking to you and it is a pleasure watching you i'll slide this in here curling really is undeniably the best tv sport out there don't you agree in terms of like you know, you'll say this is what's going to happen because we can listen to the curlers talk. You don't get that in any other right. sport. You hit the nail on the head. That's the difference. You know, they don't. You, you don't have helmets on, so you, their curlers are more identifiable. They get a lot more airtime than a than a hockey player or a football player. And you're right. It's all about listening in. If you could listen in to, you know, Peyton Manning or whatever it is in the huddle, mm-hmm. that, that'd be much watch TV, and you can't. And uh, we've got that all day, every day. You know, it's ten mini games. A lot of strategy. I'm able to, with TSN's uh, equipment, I can do the Telestrator and 
try to guess ahead at what they're going to do, and it, I, I think it becomes a really good uh, sport because you get 15 minutes of action, stops, start all over again. The score tells you what to do, and uh, you listen to the best players in the world yak it out and try to strategize their problems. Yeah. It's, 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 it's perfect for TV. Thanks for talking with me, man. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy your evening. You got her. Thanks, mate. That's Russ Howard joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll talk SJHL hockey next here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Now bringing you three hours of the hottest sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Dylan Ruptash, Ruptash, down low, play sleeve up, sleeve up for Andre Rainer, cross ice. Jay Kennedy walks out, turns and shoots, and he scores! Top shelf baby for Jay Kennedy. All right, our colleague from GX94 Sports Director out there, it's Benny Waldchuk. How are you, bud? I'm doing good, Ballsy. How are you doing? Awesome. Are you a farm guy? I'm not a farm guy. I've been on the farm a few times. I have some family with some farming, but uh, no, I didn't. I grew up in the city. I'm here live at the Agribition. I'm like a fish out of water, dude. It's like, uh, like I know, I listen, I honor farmers. I think they're great, hardworking yep. men and women. You know, I know where the bread comes from. It doesn't come from the store shelves, but uh, totally out of my element. I'm, I'm attracted to the massage chair, though. I bought myself a <laughs> neck massager here today. That's awesome. That'd be feel good. <laughs> there's like there's like horses and there's tractors and then just randomly a neck massage thing. So that's cool. Now farmers get stressed, right? Exactly, for sure. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the SJHL. The power rankings are out. And we'll go uh, 10 through 1 here, see if you agree. At number 10, holding steady with an 8-11-1-1 record, a team you cover, the Yorkton Terriers. Do you agree with that? And tell us about the Terriers. Yeah, they're playing much better hockey here as of late. So they won four straight before that tough result against the Malford Mustangs on the weekend. So it's, uh, I think they, the, maybe the, the ranking may be a little bit lower than they would like, but uh, I think some positives for Emmy Lawson's bunch. Uh, they're getting some very good goaltending. So if they can take that, they have a big weekend here against Flin Flon, but I think they're playing much better hockey than the start of the year. The Estevan Bruins are 9-9-0-2. They were number five in the rankings last week. They've slipped to nine a bit. Yeah, just kind of uh, getting some little bit inconsistent goaltending. Cameron Lick has been very, very good uh, throughout his SJHL career, but uh, just have been uh, kind of not being able to keep the puck out of the net. So it's, uh, it's a team I'm sure Jason Chartanek is looking to improve that bunch, and I'm sure Cameron Lick and the goaltending is going to improve on. Cody Mapes and Kevin Saworski's team, the Weyburn Red Wings, holding steady at number eight. They had two lopsided losses at the SJHL Showcase, came back for a home win over Kindersley, and then lost last night to Humboldt 8-6. to six. Yeah, it's one of those things, too, just trying to keep the puck of their net, too. And uh, They've had a great start to the season. Uh, maybe the games are catching up to them a little bit. They played a lot of games here the last the first couple of months of the season. But uh, Cody likes to make changes. I'm sure he'll still tinker with his roster, and they're a much-improved hockey club, though, compared to last year. And they added uh, Kevin Glantz's son from uh, Estevan. We yep. had him on the show yesterday. That Viterra division, all four teams separated by four points. Yeah, it's it's pretty intense. Uh, it's, uh, see, the last couple of years, it's either been the Estevan Bruins, who probably Probably been the man of the division the last few years, but uh, all four of those teams are within striking distance, and it's going to be makes very very interesting here down the stretch. The millionaires, the money men, climbed two spots from nine last week to seven with an eleven and nine record. Another team you cover, and you live in Melville, so tell us about it. 
Yeah, exactly. A good uh, couple of games at the showcase. Uh, the tough result against Kindersley, but they played very well. Then they came back against a very, very good Humboldt team and beat them. And then they, they beat the Estevan Bruins. They scored eight goals on Saturday. Had a tough result last night against the Nippon Hawks and maybe a little bit of a step back. But uh, a lot of injuries right now for the millionaire roster and uh, maybe a little inconsistent goaltending than they can have the early than they had earlier in the season, but uh, definitely a much improved team. And talk about the Hawks, because they're number six. Yeah, hard-working team. Uh, gets, uh, we got Tyson Endell. I know David Cunningham was out of the lineup last night with a little bit of an injury, but uh, they're a team that really goes hard, really offensive. Tad Kozen, who scored a lot of goals in the SJHL, likes to play that running-gun style, and uh, sometimes he catches up to him a little bit, but uh, last night they were able to to work that to their advantage with a big win on, on the road. The Kindersley Clippers come in at five. They've been busy five games in the last six days, so you know they're a bit of a tired bunch probably. <laughs> That's a tough stretch. They're at the showcase for a couple of games, and they head down south to to Weyburn, uh, Wilcox, and the Wilcox again for the Notre Dame Hounds for back-to-back games. And those Notre Dame games, and uh, that's the, the atmosphere lacks a little bit due to the crowd, not much of a crowd. So it's a it's a tough place to play. It's cold in there, but uh, yeah, they're right back into it in the in the race there in their in their division, and they're playing much improved hockey. They have Keenan Ingram, and Logan Linklater, who've been very good, former Regina Pat and Logan. But uh, uh, yeah, they're playing much improved hockey here, like some other teams in the league too. This is our colleague uh, Benny Walchuk from G. GX94, the ultimate play-by-play guy all around doing all the different <laughs> hockey teams. We've talked about that before. Okay, uh, you know, they're 13-7-2, the Melford Mustangs, but uh, it's been kind of an up-and-down roller coaster lately. Yeah, they haven't been playing very good hockey here as of late, and I'm sure Trevor Blevins is looking to upgrade and improve his hockey club. They got off to a monstrous start. Uh, maybe trying to keep up their puck of the net a little bit too, uh, a little bit more is uh, what's the key ingredient for the Mustangs going forward. But uh, they still have a lot of firepower, good defense, and, and some pretty good goaltending. I'm sure they'll turn things around. The Humble Broncos were on a three-game slide, but they halted that last night as we talked about eight to six. Now fourteen four two and one. Yeah, it's a it's a team that's uh it's very very good, very very high high octane offense, and yeah, maybe it's a little bit of a punch in the mouth they needed to lose three straight to kind of get back and uh, bring it back to life a little bit. Um, but uh, they rebounded with an eight goal performance uh, in Weyburn last night, as you mentioned. Balzi, and I think this team is just going to go the way their goaltender, Benjamin Moto. Uh, they're going to score a lot of goals, but if he can keep the puck out of the net, I think they'll have some good success. The defending Cantera Seeds Cup champions, the Battleford North Stars, are the hottest team in the SJHL, so uh, they're number two in the rankings. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Everybody talked about Brayden Kalmosko's team when they were six six zero and one, or even four six zero and one. Oh, is this a battle for? Are they going to take a step back? But uh, knowing how great of a coach Brayden is, he was going to fine tune his roster, and a big part of the success getting Keon Bell back in their their lineup, the SJHL's uh, defending MVP and and uh, Player of the Year. He's uh, added. I think he's top ten in scoring, only playing maybe half the games as the the other top scorers in that. So it's a, it's been a great stretch. I know they did lose their goaltender Justin Merrick, who got called up to the Portland Winterhawks. So uh, Joey Hall. Carl, who's their backup, is going to have to take the reins here a little bit for the next few weeks. But uh, yeah, we'll battle for North Stars team. We didn't didn't expect to see them uh, at the bottom of the standings long, and uh, they're proven to be that with the with ten straight wins so far. Well, Benny, we can look at the numbers and everything like that, but you get to do an eyeball test on these guys. The number one team, the eighteen one and one Flin Flon Bombers, just went through another perfect week. Mike Reagan has that team rolling. 
Yeah, exactly. And 108 goals in those 20 games. So I'm not sure. I'm not the biggest math guy. That's pretty good. That goals <laughs> goals a game uh, for the Bombers so far. But uh, yeah, the top team in the Canadian Junior Hockey League in the entire country. And uh, yeah, they'll be through the Parkland region here this weekend, uh, Friday and Sunday in Yorkton. And in between there, a Saturday matchup with the Malvin Millionaires, who are the only team to give them a regulation loss so far this season. So yeah, definitely if people are here in the, the hockey fans here in the Parkland region, even around Regina or area, Definitely make the trip out here to Yorkton and Malva this weekend to see a very, very good hockey team come through the, the region here this weekend. With a guy who travels so much on the bus or on his own in the station vehicle or your own vehicle, you got to be yeah. happy as you know that winter's holding off so far. Knock on wood. Yeah, it has been. It's been yeah over the last my over decades. I've had some different kind of weather, but this has been very, very good. It's nice. See, even the colder temperature is minus fifteen twenty, but if it's clear, it's not bad driving down the highway with the heated seats or something like that. So yeah, yeah, it's been nice to have the the weather hold up for the most part here, and it's hopefully it can hold up for a little bit longer. Well, it's cold in my seventy eight Pinto. I don't have Benny Wallchuck money in GX ninety four. <laughs> hey man, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. No problem, ballsy. Enjoy exhibition. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And a great uh, last hour in store for you here on the Sports Cage. Uh, just ahead, we're going to... Uh well, we're going to talk to uh, Dante DiCaria on the bus headed to Medicine Hat. Before the end of the show, we take a trip down memory lane on the Swear Then Out Wednesday with Dale Isaac and Mike Kelly. We'll hear from him talking some NHL hockey. There are uh, five of the seven NHL teams from Canada on the uh, docket tonight. 14 games in the um, NHL. Number to text if you want to weigh in on the show, 936-6262. And it's powered by the Capital Auto Group. Sports Cage shareholders, this is what you need to know. As I talked about 14 games tonight in the NHL, uh, Jets at Tampa, Calgary at Nashville, upstart Canucks at Avs, Canadians at the Ducks, and the underachieving Oilers at Carolina. Here's color commentator Bob Stoffer from the show yesterday. They have to improve the structure and process of the team's game. There's no question. It's And, and when you look at the defense, you know, Devin Bouchard, so I guess it depends on what type of guy. Like, I see the upside in Evan and the offensibility of the Jets. I get it. Mm-hmm. He doesn't play it with enough defensive urgency and makes some bad reads. He makes a lot of plays, too. Mm-hmm. He's got to prove defensively. Darnell Nurse has to assert himself more specifically defensively. Uh, Brett Kulak is not on the level that he was last year, but he has that goal. Cleaned up a lot of messes last year for Evan Boucher when he came over. Like Kulak, he started the season banged up. All right, so um, the Montreal Grey Cup Parade, celebrating their eighth Grey Cup title and first in 13 years, went down. Man, there, did you see the people zinger? Yeah. Outstanding there. That was a great crowd. Like, uh, really impressive for Montreal. That's great for the league. Here's uh, some of the sounds and some of the players were introduced on stage. <laughs>
crowd was there in full throat cheering it on. Not just the Alouette fans, per se, uh, but uh, Evan from Melville, who listened to the show yesterday, obviously was uh, somewhere around Montreal or the Grey Cup. He uh, Remember he said he didn't like me? Remember he said I was unprofessional and marginally entertaining? You remember that, Zinger? <laughs> yeah, I do. Well, he took a picture with Cody in Montreal and sent it to us at 936 62, 60, uh, 62 From me and Cody in Montreal to you with extra gravy and cheese curds on top. While the selfie was being taken, me, quote, this will drive Michael Ball crazy. Cody, tweet him that. Hashtag looks mentally tough to me. Uh, Cody in his porn stash with the uh, guy Evan from Melville. Uh, listen, I'm uh, happy for Cody. Congratulations, he won. Still doesn't change what I thought. He wasn't mentally tough enough to be the quarterback of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. He went somewhere where it didn't matter to anybody until they won the Great Cup here today, which, once again, I said is great. But uh, give me a break. He... Uh, he ran out of uh, he ran himself out of Saskatchewan. Let's just be honest. It wasn't the team? It wasn't the fans. He ran himself out. And uh, hey, at the end of the day, had an epic speech, played an epic Grey Cup game, was the MVP. Nobody, including me, can take that away from him. But I'm not moving off my stance, and I'm not begging him to talk to me. I've asked to do interviews. It's a done deal. Mm. We are going to move on from there. Fans got to remember Remember when Cody Fajardo threw his receivers under the bus. Remember that? Remember? Yeah, we're talking about his contract. Remember at that? The end of the, at the end of the season. Like, it was all him? very selfish things. Yeah. Like, let's not let's not forget about that. There's a remember reason the, why he was chased out of Ryder. Remember when, remember when he was asked? Remember when he was asked about his playing time? He said, I don't know, ask him. Meaning the coach. Yeah. Remember? Remember? I hope somebody wants me. There's a there's a whole slew of material there. Yeah, let's not be prisoners of the moment. Talking about uh, writing a book about uh, his comeback story. Well, let's write a book about how he left Saskatchewan. There's a whole lot to yeah. write about. Yeah, there could be a couple of chapters or maybe a whole series of books. Uh, Zinger, how about this? LeBron James now at thirty nine thousand career points, and and this is. Like I said earlier with uh, Jonathan Von Tobel from VEASAN, you can check out our interview and podcast form when you post it. He was on earlier in the show. Mm-hmm. Never miss a show. Go to the uh, Sports Cage podcast. Um, Sean, like, say what you want about LeBron James. I'm not a huge fan, but what I, what I cannot deny is LeBron James at his advanced age is still kicking some serious booty like <laughs> Michael jo- Michael Jordan wasn't that good at this age and uh, yesterday he found out that he was older than the head coach of the Utah Jazz this is how it sounded ballsy check this out we're being older than the uh, head coach I'm older than who? The Utah head coach? I'm older than the head coach. Oh, wow. <laughs> I just had to run. Oh, my goodness. No, my goodness. It don't even matter. It don't even matter. That's a, yeah, yeah, that's, a good one, right? That's Loss of words. He don't even yeah. know anymore. No he, he's older than all the coaches. By the way, uh, Von Tobel told us, what, Orlando plus four? The Nuggets? Mm. Uh, he had New Orleans money line, and he had the Hornets minus four. Yeah. So 
Look out! Uh, look out! The big said, game tonight, for- though, is the Milwaukee Bucks in Boston. Yeah. I mean, the two top teams in the Eastern yeah. Conference. You got the Milwaukee Bucks. You got Giannis Antetokounmpo, Dame Lillard, uh, yeah. ten and four Milwaukee right now, and I believe Boston's eleven and three. So that's a big game in the association tonight. Yeah, for sure. Hey, the Pats are in action tonight against the Medicine Hat Tigers. Uh, the Pats uh, have won three of their last ten. We'll have the broadcast here. Of course, it's an hour later because uh, they're an hour back of us now in the time change. Saskatoon continues. Is their long road trip in Everett coming off a 4-2 loss to the Wenatchee Wild. Notre Dame's at Estevan, the Battlefords at Melfort. And that's what you need to know. We'll be back with more of the Sports Cage in a moment on 620 CKRM. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Hey, Zinger, we were talking earlier in the uh, You Ask and We Answer segment, and one of the, uh, a lot of people want to know who I thought should be the next head coach, who will be the next head coach. And I had said, well, Scott Milanovic, uh, of the guys they're interviewing, that we know they're interviewing, Scott Milanovic, Buck Pierce, Corey Mace would be my top three. Apparently, uh, Justin Dunk saying that uh, Buck Pierce is starting to rise in the ranks behind the scenes as a leading candidate. So do you like that? Buck Pierce, first-time head coach, take away from Winnipeg, come here, maybe he brings a couple guys with him. How do you feel about that? I like that because he's an offensive guy. I think that's the way, if I was in charge, I would lean towards an offensive-minded head coach. And, and he's younger. And he's younger. And he's younger. He's played in the relate. league, yeah, just like relate. Ryan Dinwiddie. It's, uh, yeah. I think that would be a good fit. Yep. And, and hey, uh, we talk about being a rookie guy. Should rookies take it over? Well, Dinwiddie didn't have any any experience. No, he, he went in there the, raw. He went in he there raw. The, he didn't have the experience that Buck Pierce has uh, going into this job because he was just kind of in a subsidiary role in Calgary, kind of like what Mark Mueller's doing now, just in the quarterback room, not just in the quarterback room, but not a play caller. And then he goes and he beats the head coach of the Toronto Argonauts and he wins one and is at a second straight one and has that historic season at 16 and two. So there you go. We'll keep tabs on that. All right. Let us. Um, let us talk some uh, NFL football. Sean Kleisinger, you will not be here tomorrow. Neither will Blaine, uh, Blaine Weil, and you both are NFL nerds. Uh, our buddy Patrick Janix wanted me to tell you. Mm-hmm. He is uh, doing two things. He's going to a Taylor Swift concert. He's going to a Michigan Wolverines football game. And he's going to watch the Packers and Lions tomorrow. Awesome. Yeah. Right on, my friend. Our day, our day, uh, he's a single man. We're not. So we don't. I remember don't those days, Pat. Yeah, Jones. those are done, man. Those are done. Hey, Packers are seven and a half point dogs at the Lions. It's a big game in the division for both teams. A survival test for Green Bay and a big one for the Lions if they want to try and get home field advantage in the conference. Lions have had defensive issues as of late. Jordan Love has played well the past two weeks. I've got the Lions barely over your Packers, like by four. What do you got? Like yeah, I say, like. 
Yeah, I think the Lions are going to win. I mean, this is a huge game for Green Bay, though, because if Green Bay wants any shot at making the playoffs, balls, they have to win this game because the percentages, uh, the percentages just completely plummet if they lose this game. So I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a high scoring game. I feel it. The Detroit Lions offense. This might sound very weird, but they are like the top-ranked offense yeah. in the National Football League, and that does not bode well versus a Green Bay Packers secondary that is starting a whole lot of youngsters. Ballantyne, Valentine. Did you know that? We have one corner on one side named Ballantyne, mm-hmm. and then on the other corner, it's Valentine. Yeah, it'd be a nightmare. Yeah, it's going to be... Mayor v. Our buddy. <laughs> it's going to be like 34 to 31, I think, the and Lions don't, Please will. don't tell me one guy is uh, 28 and one guy's 29. No. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, Wouldn't I that know. be crazy? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we're going to do something inside of each of these games, and I'm going to call it your a turkey prediction. So you're a turkey prediction. So here we go. <laughs> there you go. Thanks. Hey, yeah, come, come here, turkey. Man, we, he survived we, so far. He's getting, really, through the, we, he's getting through the year. We really... So when I'm not there, you put a turkey in the other side. Let me listen to him again. Can I Can I hear him again? <laughs> Okay, there you go. Yeah. Uh, you're going to cook him up later. No, no, anyway. he's going to survive the 2023 season. His name's yeah. Billy. Billy, okay. Thanksgiving's practically Detroit's day, considering the Lions' history of playing on the holiday, and there's no doubt Dan Campbell's squad has the edge in talent. But my you're-a-turkey prediction is Jordan loves uh, throws for over 300 yards for a second straight week. I think you... <laughs> I think in a losing cause, my you're a turkey prediction, Jordan Love, over 300 yards. Okay, the Dallas Cowboys are home to the Washington Commanders, and they are 11-point favorites. It's a 4.30, well, sorry, 3.30 kickoff our time on CBS. That first game was a... uh, 11.30 11.30 kickoff on Fox. Uh, as far as this Cowboys game goes, the Commanders are coming off a dud last week against the Giants. While Dallas is flying high, the Cowboys are, uh, as well as any team in the league right now, Washington's offensive line is an issue, which will lead to the Dallas Cowboys having a field day on the uh, quarterback of the Commanders. Uh, and Dak Prescott plays well again. I got the Cowboys covering the spread 32-16 over the Commanders. It's going to be a blowout. That game yeah. is just not going to even be worth tuning into. That's why the Cowboys, they're a paper uh, tiger, man. They win against... Really crappy teams like Carolina, but when they play the tough teams like, well, you know, the, uh, well, actually, they sucked against the, uh, didn't they suck against the Cardinals? I think so. Yeah, but they almost, they almost, they had a good game against the Eagles in Philadelphia a couple weeks ago, but they they still lost. They they still lost. They lost to the Chiefs, uh, or check that to the uh, 49ers. So they've lost the Mm -hmm. ones that maybe they, uh, you know, they weren't favored in substantially. Okay. Get over here, Billy. Another one. Yeah, yeah, another one. That's right. Time for, you're such a turkey prediction. Dak Prescott throws for five touchdowns to firmly enter the MVP race. That might not be that wild of a prediction, though. Dak Prescott throwing five TDs tomorrow versus those Washington Commanders. Yeah. Oh, that's not a, that wouldn't be breaking news at all. The Commanders suck. They stink. Yeah. They're and stinky. Then, and then the uh, last game tomorrow, the Thursday night uh 
It's the Thursday night game. It's on NBC, which is your regular Sunday night game. It's the 49ers, Blaine's team against the uh, Seattle Seahawks. It's a huge division game for two teams that have had a good rivalry over the past decade. Seahawks are coming off a bad loss to the Rams. The 49ers coming off two dominant wins, one over Jacksonville. And then, of course, they beat the Tampa Bay Bucks. Geno Smith is banged up, so his health will be a key uh, the 49ers are having the look of a championship contending team once again. I got the Niners by about 10, like let's say almost 10. 28-19, 28-20. How about you? Yeah, this is going to be a one-possession game. I think uh, the Seattle Seahawks, they have a bit of an advantage here because they're playing at home and it's usually really loud in their home stadium, but you can amplify that times a couple more because it's Thanksgiving night. I feel like the crowd's going to be a big-time factor. If they can get after Brock Purdy, hit him around a bit. We, we've seen it this year when Brock Purdy gets hit a bit, he's he's off. So if the Seahawks can get after him, uh, I, I like the Seahawks in this game, Balls. I'm not going to lie to you. I think wow. it, I'm, it might come down to a last-second field goal or something. Call me crazy. I thought my... Okay, wait a minute. I thought my... You're such a turkey prediction. Was up. <laughs> Thanks, Billy the turkey. Uh, can we call him Tim the turkey? Yeah, that's anyway, well, anyway Tim, Tim the turkey. Timmy the turkey. Let's your name is for Tim. Timmy. Your name yeah, is your name's Tim, Tim now. Buddy. Tim, yeah. yeah, yeah he, so he likes it. He, agrees, he likes yeah. it. Anyway, I thought mine was wild. Drew Locke comes in for an injured Geno Smith who doesn't last the game and throws three touchdown passes. But yours is just as wild. Seattle beating San Francisco. So that's your such a turkey prediction. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> What do you think, Timmy? I think it's going to be 2017. Seahawks, last second field goal. Thanksgiving classic. Very interesting. Blaine's going to be sad. So what do you... uh, I hope so. What do you do? Blaine gets smug. 49er fans are pretty smug. Like I don't find you Packer fans very smug. I find the 49er fans very smug. They are. They're they're top top three smug. Well, but here's the thing. They can be a little smuggy. But like guys like Luke Mullender are really smuggy. Well, you know, Cowboys, Cowboys are notorious for being the most uh, smug yeah, fan base in the National Football just, League. Uh, well, that and the Patriots. I'm glad the Patriots suck. They've come they back were, down to earth. They were though. really, they were really smuggy, yeah. weren't they? Oh yeah, all those Patriot fans. About 85 percent of Patriot fans. Uh, came on as Patriot fans after probably their third Super Bowl win, which was against uh, the Carolina Panthers and Jake DeLome. It was yeah. after that Super Bowl that uh, the fan base was born. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Belichick's going to be coaching my team next year anyways, the Chargers. Uh, when we come back, we'll hear from Dante DiCaria, Pat Chat, live from Medicine Hat. Plus, uh, well, we got other things to go. Mike Kelly from the NHL Network. And we'll hear from Dale Isaac in our Where Are They Now segment here it- on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. <laughs> Year after year, millions of women across the country are afflicted with a devastating condition known as WTF, Widows to Football. Are you going to sit there on the couch all day and watch game after game? WTF! Symptoms include frustration, loneliness, and anguish. WTF! Currently, there are only a few treatment options. Shopping, overeating, talking with your friends on the phone, and extramarital affairs. Honey, gotta go! WTF! Widows to Football, WTF, now through February. Check your listings for a fair times. 
Sports ticker 532 inside the sports cage for Busy Bee overhead doors. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz. Busy Bee doors. The garage door specialists. If you like hockey, Wednesday, November 22nd, 2023 is for you. We got WHL hockey on these very airwaves tonight. A lot of games happening across the National Hockey League. Note the start time tonight for the Regina Pats. It's an 8 p.m. puck drop Saskatchewan time. The Pats are in Medicine Hat to meet the Tigers. The pregame show on the air at 7.35 with Dante DiCaria, who we'll be uh, hear from here in a couple seconds. Edmonton is in Carolina tonight in the NHL. Chicago's in Columbus. New Jersey's in Detroit. Boston meets Florida. The New York Rangers at Pittsburgh. Winnipeg in Tampa Bay. Buffalo at Washington. The New York Islanders at home to the Philadelphia Flyers. The St. Louis Blues in the desert to meet the Arizona Coyotes. The Calgary Flames in Nashville. Vegas in Dallas. Montreal in Anaheim. Vancouver meets the Colorado Avalanche. And Seattle welcomes San Jose. Let's head ringside and check in with the oldest major junior hockey team in Canada. This is Pat Chats from your official voice of the Red Shana Pats. 620 CKRM. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Get the best flock and chicken wing special in town with 69-cent wings all day, every Wednesday and Sunday, with a feature wing flavor of the month every month. Canadian Brew House, sponsor of Pad Chat. Let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline. Take a slice out of your fall cooking schedule with the great gang at Western Pizza. Let's talk to the voice of the Regina Pats, Dante DiCaria, who will be on here two hours from now with the pregame show, play-by-play for Medicine Hat. Uh, just after eight, our time seven locally. Uh, Dante, uh, where does this rink uh, line up in terms of your favorites in the league? Yeah, you know what, Ballsy? I think it's one of the nicer rinks in the Western Hockey League because it's one of the newer rinks. But I don't know, probably middle of the pack. I haven't had the opportunity to see some of the U.S. rinks just yet. Um, I mean, it's a nice press box. It's warm, which is nice, so I can't complain. <laughs> That's always good when the press box is warm. Yeah, I used to love going to Medicine Hat. You weren't here in those days, but for the with the old Medicine Hat Arena, uh, I, that that was they they were right on top of you when the goal went off. There was big horn. It was just it was a great atmosphere. So the Pats uh, have three wins, I think, tabulated in their last ten games. I had Coach Ken Schneider on earlier, and he had said, uh, you know, earlier this week, and he had said, you know, we're not uh, shocked by where we are in the standings, but. We're not that far out from being in the mix once again. So what's the mood on the uh, iron lung traveling to start this road trip? Yeah, Balls, I mean, it's just been kind of close as far as the Eastern Conference standings go. If the Regina Pats are able to pick up, say, four or five points this week, you know, they've got three big Alberta opponents coming up on this road trip, and all of a sudden they're back in third place. If things kind of shake up the way we might think they will. So that's just how tight things are in the standings. And if the Pats keep, unfortunately, following like they have over the last couple of games, then uh, then they'll be batting with teams like Calgary and Red Deer for that eighth and final playoff spot, and even Edmonton if they get hot. So it's incredibly close. Uh, if the team is able to score more than you know three or four goals in a hockey game, then they should have a pretty good chance to win. But, yeah, it's, it's incredible. There's no real clear-cut juggernaut so far in the Eastern Conference. What can you tell us about this Med Hat team they're playing tonight? They're really good. They play with a ton of speed, and they're young, and they've got so much energy. I mean, look at the birds. I mean, led by Gavin McKenna. I really to see how he's tonight for Medicine Hat. Technically, Connor Bedard's cousin, so he's got maybe some good genes in him, but he's only 
still 15 years old, turning 16 later this month, and he's been absolutely spectacular for the Tigers. But they even have a guy by the name of Caden Lindstrom, who's probably a top 10 NHL pick this year. And he's a six foot four forward that can skate, he plays physical, he can shoot the puck, he makes plays. When I saw him last year at 16, I was like, holy smokes, this guy is going to be an excellent player. And you always have to be, uh, you know, weary with Willie Desjardins teams because they're always incredibly competitive and uh, well coached. Is there a name or two that uh, jump off the map, uh, you know, that, that, that are not like the Tanner Howes that have kind of uh, impressed you so far for the Regina Pats, even though the, the record's been up and down? Yeah, that's a tough one. I'd probably say maybe a guy like Jackson Vaughn is somebody that I've really been impressed with his game recently. He's got goals in three of his last five. Last year, he had just two goals all of the course of the 2022-23 season, and now he already is able to double that goal total this year. So that's been nice to see. He's now been playing center for the first time in his entire hockey career. Like, even going back to minor hockey, he's always been a winger, and now he's playing center thanks to head coach Brad Harrell, who likes his size up the middle, and he's able to win face-offs, so that's important. He's still, you know, getting accustomed to that center ice position, but somebody that I've been really with, I know he's somebody that's expect to be good because he's going to one The guys that were around and have really, you know, kind of blossomed this year, it, 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 it's the same. I think where guys' production has been at so far this season is probably where we would have estimated them to be at. I think, obviously, a lot of the veteran players are going to potentially pick up their game. I think I look at a guy like Morgan Dallas and Tyler Spencer, who have been snaked in as of late, but hopefully they're able to kind of come out of that downward trend recently. Well, we'll see if they can do it uh, tonight uh, in Medicine Hat as uh, the Pats take on the Tigers. 7.35 pregame show locally here uh, Eight o'clock in these airwaves. Medicine had an hour behind us. Dante DeCarrie will be on the call. Looking forward to it. Thanks for taking time. Go rest those vocal cords. Thank you so much, Balls. We appreciate it. Dante DeCarrie joining us here. That is Pat Chat. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? First down, Edmonton, home run 50. Big pressure on Moody, gets it away in time, and open again is Brian Kelly in behind everybody. Brian Kelly, touchdown, Edmonton. Oh, man, that brings back so many memories. 1982, that was a frigid Commonwealth Stadium. The then Edmonton Eskimos taking on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and Dieter Brock and Dale Isaac was on the call. I always love watching Dale and Frank Rigney, Al McCann on the sidelines. I bet you that day when it was that cold, Dale, you were happy to be up in the booth. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there was a lot of, a lot of times when we were very thankful that it was Dal- Al down on the sidelines and, <laughs> and we had some heat upstairs because there were some gold days. But, uh, yeah, those were the days the Eskimos were winning five in a row. So yeah. uh, we were in Edmonton a lot. Do you ever wonder how Brian Kelly got so open? I've interviewed him before. He wasn't the fastest guy, but he always found a way to get open. Well, he certainly did, but he had, you know, some pretty good quarterbacks that were throwing in the ball most of the time. And when you have accuracy from your quarterback, it makes a big difference. And all you need is a step or two. And Brian Kelly was quick enough to get that step or two on most defensive backs. And although in all those years of calling games, does anything pop to mind for you in the booth, a game or a play that resonates with you? Uh, well, I'll tell you one time it was at the Grey Cup. 
we were doing uh, the pregame show, and it was uh, in Toronto, and the Eskimos were uh, obviously, and, and this was, I think it was 1983, and uh, we were kind of doing a little bit of a promo for the uh, the individual awards that would be handed out mm-hmm. after the game. And I was holding the Canadian Player of the Game Award, and Dave Fennell, Dr. Death of the mm-hmm. Eskimos, came walking by and he says, my name on that yet (laughs) (laughs) do you expect it will be and he said yeah pretty good chance it might be and i think he did win it that yeah that's funny man they had a great team from 78 to 82 no doubt about that uh dale what'd you think of this year's great cup i'll tell you what that was redemption at its best for cody fajardo and jason moss to be perfectly honest about the way that game ended, I was fully expecting that last pass to hit the crossbar. <laughs> then, you know, and, and I, I don't want to be critical of Cody. All the credit to him. He played He played so well through the playoffs. When you think of the game against Hamilton, the game against Toronto, and the game against Winnipeg, it kind of reminded me of the run that Darian went on in 2013. Mm-hmm. Not quite that good, but it was pretty good. And, of course, in the Toronto game, never have I seen a first-place team make so many mistakes as the Argos did. So, anyway, full credit to the Alouettes, to Jason Moss, to Cody Fajardo. I just wish everybody would relax a little bit and just, you know – Bring down the temperature on this whole thing because it's 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 not good. I know the riders look bad through this whole thing, but they weren't the first team to ever let Jason Moss go or Cody Fajardo go. And I mean, everything just fell into place in Montreal. That happens, you know. So let's move forward. Let's get on with it. Get a new coach. The riders are looking for. Hopefully, Jeremy does his due diligence and talks to anybody that's a available out there and make the right decision you know you'd be a i was uh, scrolling through i do like i told you last time you're on i do like going down the youtube rabbit and a uh, rabbit hole and i i saw uh, I, I googled dale isaac and i the first one of the first things that pops up was you at the ticket uh, ticket thon in 1987 <laughs> I, I don't think we're there at all with the rough riders but there is a high level of angst like you, you said it is burning pretty hot right now and especially after that gray cup is that kind of what you're hearing when you're walking around Saskatoon? You know what? I'm not hearing a lot of that at all in Saskatoon. And I think that's just uh, a fact of life now. Uh, when the Rough Riders aren't going well, it's it's easily kind of put on the back burner up here and people don't talk about it so much. It's not like Regina. Mm-hmm. Totally different communities. They, I mean, they have support up here. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like live and die with the team the way it is in Regina. There's a totally different atmosphere in between the two cities. I mean, up here, it's more about the Huskies and the Hilltops and things like that. And uh, But in Regina, I mean, it's riders 12 months of the year. I mean, yeah. it's just, there's no comparison. Yeah. Is, is that a bit of a concern, though, Dale? We talked about the ticket-thon there in 87 that, you know, you want people to be into it, whether good or bad. You don't want them to be apathetic. Well, you're right. Uh, you don't want to see what happened in Edmonton, where eventually they, mm-hmm. uh, you know, their president was replaced halfway through the season because there's just nobody going to the game. So you don't want to get to that point. But people do care in Saskatchewan about this football team, sometimes a little over the top about it. I mean, they're ready to blame everybody. And sometimes 
I really want to be honest here and say sometimes people in Saskatchewan care a little too much. They put too much blame on coaches and quarterbacks, and they make life tough. And it's it's a it can be a miserable experience in Saskatchewan if you're not winning. That's a very good point. I feel like that in Toronto with the Leafs and Montreal with the Habs and with the yep. uh, with the Edmonton Oilers right now with Drysaddle and McDavid what they're going through. And you know. Sometimes change is good. I think I agree with you with the temperature being uh, dropped down a notch or two. Cody needed a change. He couldn't exist here anymore. He didn't look too good at the end. He had to go somewhere else where the pressure wasn't on. Went to Montreal. Everything worked out. And I agree with you. He kind of had the Darian Durant swagger on that last drive. Remember Darian in that uh, semifinal against BC with over 90 yards rushing. He really took the team on his back. And that was a key 13-yard scramble to set up a match manageable third and five at the end of the drive for Cody there. Absolutely. That uh, that came to mind as soon as uh, Cody made that first down with a terrific scramble of his. And, you know, and I, I thought back to Darian in 2013. There are some similarities there. Darian, I think, for three straight games was, you know, kind of like all CFL for three yeah. straight games. You know, Cody, not so much. But, I mean, he got the job done when he needed it. Uh, whatever magic that Jason Moss, you know, came up with this year in Montreal, good on him. Uh, you know, they said at the start of the year that Cody's, the offense was more designed for Cody than in any kind of an offense that he'd been in before, which everybody kind of reacted to and said, what are you talking about? I mean, yeah. Moss was his offensive coordinator in Saskatchewan, so something was missing there. And I don't know if it was because of Craig Dickinson or what, but there's a lot of questions to be answered about the way this thing unfolded. But, you know, let's answer it and do it respectfully, and let's go forward from this and get the right guy in here and, and you know, think about 2024. I think everybody should heed, uh, heed this legend's uh, advice and Dale Isaac. Okay, two more things for you. I wasn't around, not for a while. Where were you on this day? This was a where were you Ooh. moment when uh, JFK was assassinated. Uh, grade 9. Martin Collegiate in Regina. Uh, George Baxter was my homeroom teacher. Uh, had gone home for lunch, realized that you know there had been an attempt on Kennedy's life. There had been a shooting in Dallas. There was lots of coverage. Went back to school, and about ten or quarter after one, George Baxter had gone out of the room and come back in and announced that he had not made it. So I remember it like it was yesterday. It was uh, just a shocking, shocking realization of what the world was coming to. Now, I'm not I'm not speaking out of school here, but we talk we talk about passion. And this guy's been referred to as John Frenzy, John Lynch. He's in the same care home uh, that my parents are in in northwest uh, Regina, Brightwater. And John uh, hasn't been doing well and is not doing well. Uh, I When I think of the Grey Cup, I think of guys like, uh, you know, like you, I mentioned mm-hmm. Rigney, McCann, yep. you, uh, there was Whitman and, and Lioncaster, but I also think of John Lynch. This was his yep. time. It was his weekend. Just your thoughts on John Lynch. Well, you know, <laughs> when it came to trying to find out about a football player, you weren't able to Google back in those no. days, back in the 70s and 80s. You called John. You talk to John. What about this guy? What about that guy? And he would have information on guys that 
how the heck did he know this? You know, that's the guy. He was he was kind of like your go-to Google guy. Yeah. I mean, when it came to football players, and uh, I'm I'm sorry to hear that he's he's not doing all that well. But yeah, we go back a long way, and uh, John is Mr. Football as far as I'm concerned in Saskatchewan. Yeah, he uh, definitely is a guy that uh, lives and dies with Rough Rider football and the Grey Cup. Uh, Dale, it was a great, uh, it was great talking to you. Actually, I want to squeeze one more in here just to trigger it in my mind. You know, this has been debated too. TSN had almost 10 million people, I guess 8.9 million people along with RDS. I go back to the days when CTV did the first half and then CBC did the second half of the Grey Cup. I, I just can't. I scratch my head why we can't have the Grey Cup on CTV. Well, yeah, I, yeah, that's above our pay grade. We know that. I, and I don't know how they get away with it, but they have been getting away with it for many years. But there's one thing I wanted to mention, if yeah. if yeah. you have time. Yes, I do. You know, there was there was a lot of it, uh, talk this week about the lack of French uh, signage. Yeah. Tim Hortons field and uh, they finally got it corrected to some extent after they'd been kind of embarrassed about the whole thing. But back in 1986, I'm standing on the Grey Cup field in Vancouver next to then commissioner Doug Mitchell. And I'm looking at the field and I turned to Doug and I said, there, there's no CFL logo anywhere on this field. It was just the Grey Cup logo at center field. And he said, eh, everybody knows it's the CFL. And I thought, there's the problem right there. The CFL still doesn't know how to promote. You know, that is a, that's the best way to end it. Because guess what? I think you'll agree with me. This is the best version of football in the world. We just don't know how to promote it. Well, you're right. And I, I told our buddy Don Hewitt this yeah. a few weeks ago. I said the CFL should be promoting the Grey Cup winner as the world champion of three down or 12-man football. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, 100%. Dale, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. You bet. Anytime, Michael. It's funny. He he was he didn't like the limelight zinger. He's like, I don't really want it. I I don't. I'm too old. I don't know what to say. And then he goes on there and he's a rock star. I'm like, I'm like, Dale. Like you're listening, Dale. Now that you hung up, like, come on, man. You could talk forever, man. What a legend. Yeah, the airwaves are yours, my friend. Yeah, come on. Uh, where are they now? Brought to you by Floor Coverings International. Save with the Stars event. Save hundreds on new floors. Visit fcipromo.com. Only at participating locations. Offer ends November 30th. Thanks to Floor Coverings International for getting on board again with Where Are They Now? Next Wednesday, we're going to talk to Mark Rippon, former quarterback of the Washington Redskins Super Bowl champ. Of course, related to uh, the former Pat, who's passed away. Uh, Rick Rippon, so we'll get a hold of him next week. Zinger had it lined up, and it just didn't work out, but he set the table for me, so I can't wait. We'll be back to wrap the show up after this. From Aggravation on 620 CKRM. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Hey, we're going to wrap up with a text from Brandon, the Capital Auto Group text line at 936-6262. Hey, we love you, Ballsy and Singer. We had enough change. You guys deserve a winning, positive season to call. Do you think the Riders will try to get Dolagala back in the fold? He's done enough to be a backup. I'd, I'd bring both those guys back, Dolagala and fine, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, as a backup quarterback, yeah. I would absolutely. Not, a, yep. not as the starter. I don't no, think no. they're. I don't think they. To be honest, I don't know. Well, I won't say that. I don't know that we know enough whether they're starter or not. Everybody says it. Do they have it? Well, I don't even know what it is to be quite honest with you. But I think they've got an opportunity to definitely hang around this league for a while. I'm interested yeah. to see if McLeod Bethel Thompson comes back. You know what I would do? Actually, I would. I would either bring. One or the other back. It's either Dola Gala comes back or fine, and then bring in some new blood behind that because uh, I think we've seen enough of those two guys. Yeah. Enough. To I pick want one Shea of them. Patterson to get a chance more. Like yeah. I, that's where Dickinson and the staff aired. They, they they brought Pipkin in and 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 jettisoned to the press box Shea Patterson. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, like what did Pipkin do that Patterson couldn't do? I know no. Patterson, like, you know. Like, no I offense, don't... but uh, but how do guys like Dom Davis, Pipkin, I don't know. Uh, who's the guy in BC, the third string guy? Oh, there's been... Uh, oh, who's the guy? Mind. Oh, who's the guy? Dom Davis is in in, in, in BC. Well, yeah, Dom, Dom Davis is Dom behind Davis, Dane Evans. Caleb Evans. Like, we've seen enough. How do those guys keep getting chances uh-huh. after chances? Hey, uh, Zinger, uh, we got Regina Pats hockey coming up, 735 pregame, 8 o'clock. The face-off, you're going to be operating that game, too. You're uh, the hardest-working man in show business. Um, Sean, what did you like best about today's show? I always love uh, hearing from Russ Howard. Russ yeah. Howard was a great conversation. Yeah, he was good. Um, Dale Isaac, that guy's smooth, man. Yeah, Dale Isaac is always at the top. Uh, it's hard to pick one, but those two come to mind right away. Just... And that's what kind of ticks me off. I mentioned it at the end of that interview. Like we can't get that we can't get the Grey Cup on CTV. But back in the day, we had CTV do the first half, CBC the second half, or vice versa. It was on both stations. Yeah, what I would love to see going forward is to have both the Vanier Cup and and the Grey Cup on the same weekend, both broadcasted on the same channel. I know the Vanier Cup coming up this weekend is going to be on CBC, but it seems like they put like $3 into the total yeah. broadcast. It's just, it's not yeah. overall, like it des- it deserves a better product. And I just hope someday we can get back to that point where it's all on the same weekend, all broadcasted on TSN and CTV, because I think that's the best way to showcase both leagues. I'm a football fan, an NFL football fan. I'll be at my buddy's uh, man cave later in the day. We always watch all three games, but obviously I've got this thing called work to do. But you're off, and Blaine's off watching uh, Turkey Day action in the NFL. Um, but tomorrow on the show, we've got Scott Schultz, who's live down here. Uh, he's going to join me live on set. Arash Madani. We'll have Glenn Suter and much, much more. This has been... A Sean Kleisinger presentation back at Harvard Control of the Sports Cage on the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. Today's Sports Cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.